from Relay FM. This is Connected, episode 166. Today's show is brought to you by Away Timing and Encapsula. Today is a very spooky episode because it's Halloween. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Federico Vitici. Ciao, Federico. Ciao, Mike. And Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hello, Stephen Hackett. Hello, Michael Hurley. I thought that you may give us spooky names like people do on Twitter, which I think is the dumbest thing no, people do on Twitter. Please don't. Please when do I not. said when I said spooky, my yeah. brain was like scanning, and I couldn't yeah. do it in time. So, so maybe we should try it now. Like frightening Federico. Okay. I think it's pretty good. Ooh, I like it. Frightening Federico, scary Steven, scary Steven. and uh, malicious Mike. Um, ooh, I like that. Yeah, malicious Mike. Frightening Federico and Scary Steven. Yeah. They are our Halloween names. Yeah, it's it's my least favorite Twitter meme. We have a huge show today, so we should probably start with follow-up with the most important anticipated piece of follow-up item in a while. Uh, Federico's NVIDIA Shields. If you listen to last week's episode, <laughs> you know for some reason, Federico bought an NVIDIA Shield, and there was a specific reason for this, and we asked mm-hmm. uh, our listeners to send us in some suggestions. So I wanted to read a couple of them that I thought could were a little bit compelling. Um, Oplayers said to play PC games because there is some software that they have where you can set up um, uh, something on a Mac or a PC and you can play these games over the internet. Uh, Bob, Boris, and Costas, all guest emulators of some description, like many different emulators of old Nintendo consoles. Ferris was wondering if it was to do with HEVC playback. Eric and Paul thought that Federico was buying this for his baker. And Neil believed that it had something to do with home automation or camera systems. So Federico, why on earth Mm. did you buy an NVIDIA Shield? So I feel like no one really got the specific reason why I bought the shield. But you, Mike, and uh, Ferris got the closest to the yes. to the real story here. So it was for Plex, but it was for hardware-based decoding of videos played through Plex. Oh, so I'm not- taking that. I'm taking we that. We said Plex on the show last week. Yeah, we well, spoke about you, you spoke that, about nah. Plex, but I asked you why because I told you Come I can. On. I Come said on. no, no, no. I said on the show I already have Plex on my Synology. Why would I want to use Plex on the Nvidia Shield? And you mm-hmm. said I need to think about this some more. So I'm you, awarding myself half of a mic point for that. It's it's half of a mic point and also half for listener Ferris because HEVC yep. playback is indeed part of the story here. Um, so yes, the reason is I like Plex. I've been using Plex for years on my um, DS214 Play uh, Synology NAS and it's fine but every time I was playing a video whether it was a TV show or a movie it took a long time to buffer the video because the uh, the chips inside the Synology were not powerful enough to do the uh, the you know the decoding uh, hardware based decoding um, to stream to my iOS devices because Plex does a bunch of things whether it's called direct stream or direct playback most of the time if you're not feeding the correct format which tends to be MP4 container H.264 and a AC audio. If you do not do that, uh, Plex needs to do some decoding uh, on the fly as you're watching the video. And with my Synology, that was always super slow, and my girlfriend and I were getting annoyed by the fact that as we're watching a movie, uh, it starts buffering and it pauses and it takes minutes to to do you know another like chunk of five minutes of decoding, and that was super bad. And but we didn't want to stop using Plex because we like Plex, uh, and so. 
I did a bit of research and I realized by watching some YouTube videos and reading on the various Plex forums that the cheapest way to get uh, hardware-based decoding um, via Plex and also while keep using my Synology as uh, basically a ton of storage was to get an NVIDIA Shield and hook it up to my Synology, use the Synology for basically just hosting the files and uh, this not the NVIDIA Shield to run Plex Media Server. So this, uh, the NVIDIA Shield can get the actual movie and files from the from my four terabytes of storage on the Synology, and the Shield takes care of decoding those to a compatible format for the for Plex on iOS and Apple TV. Um, that is the only reason why I bought the NVIDIA Shield in the first place, because I wanted to have a faster Plex experience and to be able to have uh, you know, transcoding sessions or streaming sessions without buffering and without having to wait several minutes just to watch a movie. Um, as I did this, uh, so last week uh, I set this up. The, you can, it's very easy. You log into your Google account and you on the Nvidia Shield. Then you confirm with a code on your uh, iPhone, and you basically you're off to the races. You just need to update Android TV, which is what the Nvidia Shield uses, and then you can start using the Shield. And the only thing that I needed to do was to um, configure my Synology with the NVIDIA Shield as a, an external storage source. This is the kind of stuff that you can do on Android TV. You can basically scan your network for compatible uh, storage devices, and the Synology showed up right away because, it, of course, it's on my network. Um, but I had a bit of a struggle initially because all of my... Um, Basically, the Synology was being recognized by uh, Plex, but the videos were still super slow. And so I spent a couple of days obsessing over this problem. We, we had already talked about it on the show, and it would have been really bad if I couldn't figure this out before the next episode. Uh, so I did more research, and I realized that initially I thought it was going to be some kind of permission problem uh, with accessing files and folders on my Synology. But it turns out that the NVIDIA Shield comes uh, with a built-in version of PS of uh, the Plex Media Server, which is an old one. And to get the best experience and the latest features from Plex, yeah, I needed to install a beta version of the Plex Media Server from the Google Play Store. This is all done natively on Android TV. You can just basically go to the Google Play Store, search for Plex. Um, actually, before you need to sign up your Google account for beta access, and then you go to the Google Play Store and you see the beta. And it's all done sort of like test flight, really. And so I downloaded the beta of Plex on my NVIDIA Shield. It's a much, much more recent version. And it runs great. It's doing hardware decoding of videos. It can do multiple streams at a time. Like I was able to do like two to three 1080p transcoding sessions uh, simultaneously on the NVIDIA Shield. And I got the best of both worlds. I got the storage of my Synology, like four terabytes in RAID 1. And I also got the NVIDIA Shield uh, that is behind a fast and efficient uh, Plex, Plex experience. And this is the best Plex setup that I've ever had. I never had a, a powerful machine being able to do um, transcoding for videos on the fly as I was watching them. And of course, the NVIDIA Shield is, I don't know which version of the what's it called the snapdragon chip or whatever yeah. that android yeah. devices use but it's fast and it takes care of multiple hd streams in theory it should be able to handle at least one 4k hdr stream but uh, i don't have a 4k hdr tv yet so that's not a problem for me um 
It's running yeah. a NVIDIA Tegra X1 processor. All right, NVIDIA Tegra, right. So yeah, uh, fast plex, hardware decoding, no more wait times. It's really awesome. Like I hit play on a video in Plex. I don't care about which format, which encoding it is. I tested with uh, like uh, H.264, H.265 in HEVC, um, MKV containers, MP4 containers. Everything just works because the chip is fast enough to do the... Uh, the transcoding necessary for iOS devices and Apple TV. But in the process, I also got a chance to sort of play around with Android TV and uh, appreciate the things that Google is doing on the on the big screen. And I got to say, it's not too bad. In, uh, it's hmm. actually very nice. Uh, I think from a UI perspective, from a navigation perspective, um, everything makes a little more sense to me than the tvOS UI. It's not too... Android-ish in the sense that, like, when whenever I use, I have an Android phone, and whenever I use Android, I there's some UI metaphors that I never really understand, or be, just because they're so different from uh, from what I'm used to. But with Android TV, uh, because I I'm not a huge TV OS user uh, with my Apple TV, um, I found the switch to be more to be less cumbersome than switching from an iPhone to an Android smartphone. And there are some nice features, like uh, Chromecast integration is built in. So you can... Um, uh, I was watching a video on my on my iPhone and with the YouTube app, and if you have an NVIDIA Shield hooked up to your TV, you can just uh, beam the video uh, to the Shield as a Chromecast device, which is really nice. And of course, uh, it's got... Um, because it's Android and there are no, you know, those limitations do not apply. You can use Spotify as a native uh, audio playback source. So I added my Spotify account, and uh, with a recent update to the NVIDIA Shield software, uh, there's also the Google Assistant, and you you can ask to the Google Assistant on the Shield to play music for you, and it will play in Spotify, which was also really nice. And finally, I haven't played any games. Uh, I also got the, like, there's a game controller that came in the box. I don't care because I uh, I just want to play with Mario on my Nintendo Switch. But I can say that the the remote, so there's in the box I got an NVIDIA Shield Pro because it's got 500 gigs of storage. And I thought I would need that storage because sometimes when Plex is doing the transcoding, it caches some of the buffered video content into the local storage. So I thought, you know, if I'm transcoding like five videos or if I'm downloading five videos because I'm getting on a plane, I want to be able to have a local cache instead of doing the back and forth with the Synology and the network. Um, so in the, MV- in the box for the NVIDIA Shield Pro, you get the actual NVIDIA Shield with 500 gigs of storage and you get the, the TV remote and you get the game controller. The game controller, I... It's <laughs> I don't know what it's like to use because I haven't downloaded a single game, but the TV remote is much, much better than the Apple TV remote. It actually makes sense. Um, I feel like it's, uh, I always pick it up in the right orientation. The buttons are nicely labeled, and there's an area somewhere in the middle that I think acts as a touchpad, so you can, you can swipe up and down to adjust the volume and stuff like that. Um, it's nice, and... I mean, for something that I primarily bought as a home server for hardware-accelerated Plex streaming, it also comes as with Android TV, so I guess that's a nice plus. But overall, this basically, uh, this NVIDIA Shield thing just sits next to my router and my Synology. Uh, my, uh, basically, I never turn, turn it on on my TV. And it just does streaming for video content to my iPhone and iPad. 
that's all. And with that, we made our final evolution into becoming the Accidental Tech Podcast as Federico spends time with hardware encoding <laughs> machines uh, looking for plaques. So congratulations, everyone. We did it. We made it. <laughs> Was this explanation satisfying to you, Mike? Yeah. Uh, okay. You definitely gave me a lot more information than I was expecting. Right. Um, I feel okay. like for, for Halloween, we decided to dress as ATP. That's, that's what we did. Am I Casey here? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Casey here in this one, though, because Casey is the Plex guy, right? Like, I'm I sure mean, he's Steven already obviously feverishly John. writing down. Yeah. Yep. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll happily will be Marco. So there we all go. Right. Congratulations right. to all of us. Um, I am very surprised at the amount of power that the shield has. I would not yeah. have expected it to be able to do everything that you were describing, like just the multiple trans- like encoding of videos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It just it wasn't a device that... I necessarily considered would be that powerful when thinking about other devices and it's cl- like that it's competing against, you know, like the Apple TV. I can't imagine that that could do that. You know, something like a Chromecast obviously well, cannot. You know, it was, it was mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, the, the main difference is because it's Android, uh, you can do stuff like you go into the settings, like the system settings of the uh, NVIDIA Shield, and you can you can add multiple external storage sources, stuff like. Uh, Synology, for example, or even... I mean, it's got USB ports on this thing, so you can connect like a USB SSD and use it for external storage. This is the kind of stuff that you will never be able to do on an Apple TV. And so that allows me to keep my Synology and the money that I spend on my Synology have four terabytes of external storage, but also use a modern um, you know, TV box that does the hardware decoding behind the scenes, which is nice. In your continued quest for the best keyboards for your iPads, uh, David Mm. sent in to us the Slimbook Zag. It seems like on paper Mm. for the 12.9, this thing has everything that you're looking for, Federico. Have you ever Mm. come across this product before? So I, I think many, many years ago, I used to have a Zag keyboard. They had like the Zag Folio or something, right? Like that was a pretty popular keyboard that yeah, they made. Yeah, I think so. My only problem with this product, uh, just two small things. One, there's no Italian layout. So if mm-hmm. I were to consider this, I would have to get the English UK option. And the images in the screenshots are from iOS 8. So that doesn't inspire a lot of confidence. Um <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> How can you tell it's eight? Like I can tell it's I can not tell. new, but it's I, oh, look. Newsstand. I remember this is no, no. The wallpaper and the music icon. It's iOS eight. No, yeah. I just said, uh, but there is newsstand. There is a newsstand, newsstand icon there. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. Come on, guys. What are you doing? TBT. Yeah, out of principle, like just don't buy this, right? Like it's just like <laughs> if, if you can't get that set, like I cannot trust your it, your product. I just can't. exactly. It doesn't <laughs> inspire word. confidence. Yeah, because. That's clearly not that device, right? Like, in that thing. Anyway. Yeah. Remember when we used to care about screenshots? That was a mm. different time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Got to clean those screenshots. Does Google Docs have drag and drop? Nope. No, and they also... <laughs> we don't have access to Google Docs anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. we, were, we were getting ready to record the show, and it seems... So, a quick check on Twitter says this is happening. Uh, a big yellow arrow box shows up for, on the Google Doc for me because I own the, the document. This item has been flagged as inappropriate and can no longer be shared. When you hit request to review, it goes to a tab that is a 404 page on Google Doc support. So 
they're they're struggling today, so we were in Dropbox paper. But it's uh, it's quite a scene over there. I don't think Dropbox paper has drag and drop either, right? Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Do you know Federico? I'm assuming no. Uh, I don't think they do. Okay. Okay. So nobody does basically. Yeah. Is the answer. If, if you want a collaborative editing suite. I tried it into editorial the other day, and then I thought, wait a second. <laughs> this is the wrong app That's to be trying gonna, this. <laughs> That's not going to ever happen for you. Uh, 20, 2025. Uh, a quick reminder that we are halfway through our Cool Fresh Gear pre-order. There'll be a, sh- a link in the show notes. This is a t-shirt and set of two AirPod stickers to make everything in your life look like tiny things of floss, which I think are adorable and hilarious. Uh, it is a pre-order, so uh, get your orders in by Monday, November 6th, and we'll get these shipped out mid-December. If you are a member of Relay FM, check your email. Uh, last week, we sent an email out that includes some discount codes, so you can get uh, get 15% off this and anything else in the merch store. So I'm, I'm super excited about this. I think it looks awesome. Frank did a great job, and uh, it's just uh, it's a fun, a fun holiday little pre-order deal from Relay. All right, this week's episode is brought to you by Away. Away are a team of thinkers, seekers, and designers, and they have made smart premium suitcases that you can get for under $300. So your luggage will never cost more than your plane ticket. Because why should it? Why should your luggage be more expensive than the thing that you need to actually go get on the plane? That's, That's wild. Something that I need constantly when I'm traveling is more battery. I always need more battery for all of my devices. And when you buy an away suitcase, you can charge all of your devices while you travel because both sizes of their carry-on feature USB ports of a battery large enough to charge your phone five times. Go to awaytravel.com slash connected right now. You can browse their suitcases. They're all made with premium German polycarbonate, which is unrivaled in strength and impact resistance whilst remaining really lightweight. I have the regular carry-on and that thing is so light and easy to move around. They offer four different sizes. They have two sizes of carry-ons and then they have a medium size and a large size, which are the more kind of regular suitcase sizes. And they have nine fantastic colors for you to choose from. Away cut out the middleman so you can get first-class luggage at coach prices. They have a bunch of different other little features that I like, like their removable washable laundry bags. You can separate all of your clothes while you're traveling. They're all got TSA combination locks built in, so they're not going to get busted open if your case gets pulled out for inspection. They ha- All of their carry-ons are compliant with major U.S. airlines, so you can maximize the amount that you pack while still being able to take it on board as a carry-on item. And they have a patent-pending compression system, so you can stuff loads of things in these Away cases and you can zip them all up real nice and there's a nice little pocket on it so you can pop your laptop in there. It's really, really, really great. I am a big fan of my Away suitcase. Um, I love using it whenever I go on any short trips. I have the carry-on and I have many times packed for like a long weekend with just the carry-on and I can put everything in there. It's really, really great stuff. Away believe in the quality of their products. That's why they offer a lifetime guarantee. If anything breaks, they'll fix it or replace it for life. And they also have a 100-day trial with a no-questions-asked-return policy. So you can take it with you on a trip and if it's still not right for you, you can return it. And they'll accept that. They have free shipping on any order as well within the lower 48 states of the U.S. Travel smarter with a suitcase that charges your phone. To find out more, go to awaytravel.com slash connected and use the code connected at checkout to get $20 off any of their suitcases. That's awaytravel.com slash connected and the code connected for $20 off. Thank you so much to Away for their support of this show and Relay FM. So, Stephen, mm-hmm. where is your MacBook Pro? Do you have it back yet? Did they, did they fix the top case? I do. 
I do have it back. So what I shared last time was not the whole story. <gasps> I went to the Apple store and had had a Genius Bar appointment, whatever went, and they wanted to charge me $428 plus tax to repair this computer. Now, this computer is under the limited warranty until January. I've not purchased Apple Care to extend that, but it is under warranty. The genius who was helpful, I have nothing against my interaction with him, basically explained it as, you know, the 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 butterfly switch, a little plastic piece that Phil Schiller was so excited about when they introduced it a couple years ago. That that sits in little metal brackets on the top case and the the issue, the way my key failed, if you remember, the bottom part of it was flapping. And so the key was like smashing into those little metal pieces and bent them down. And his concern was that that was accidental damage, which, of course, is just like mm-hmm. complete fill in the blank. So I don't have to bleep this later in the edit. Like, it's ridiculous. And I told him that. And I was like, I, I really needed to speak to the service manager and I explained it to her. Um, how the key failed and that I understood that that's what it was showing and that this is why it was showing that. I do not play the I used to do this for a living card ever at the Apple store, but I played it in this conversation with the manager. I was like, I understand what your genius is saying, oh, dang. but but this is ridiculous. I didn't. It's not like I tried to put the key back on. It's not like I tried to like bend these things. Like The key failed. This is a nine-month-old computer that's owned by a business. Um, it's unacceptable. And so... Did you say, don't you know who I am? I did not. I did not say that. Uh, <laughs> I said, you know, I've got a background in, in hardware repair, you know, including at the store. Like, I I understand that these things are fragile. I would not have gone in there with a tool trying to fix it myself. And so she, uh, thankfully, said, hey, you know, we'll cover that. Um, I understand your point of view. We decided to do it in the store because sending a covered repair to the repair center can get weird. If they find something else wrong, they have to get it okay. It can add a lot of time to it. So... I get the computer. They order the top case. So it's top case, keyboard, and batteries, one component. Uh, those parts came in, I don't know, three or four days later. I take my computer out there. They're going to fix it. I'll have it back in three or four days. Three days into it, I get a phone call. I'm like, great, my computer's ready. The computer's not ready. Turns out they also have to order a screw kit because something about these screws can't be reused. And they didn't, so they basically didn't have all the all the parts, which is ridiculous. And the genius admin was like, you know, we actually haven't done one of these in store. We send them out to the repair center. At that point, I did not want anyone locally touching them. Like, you haven't done this before? Like, send it to the repair center. They do these all day. And if it takes a longer time or something, that's on the store. That's the store's problem, not mine. So I go, uh, you know, they ship the computer to the depot for me. Two days later, I get, a, I get an email from Apple uh, you know, dear Mr. Hackett, we're trying to get in touch with you about your repair. Please call this number, reference this case number. So I call and they need the firmware password for the computer. It's a, I have a firmware password on it. It means you can't boot it from an external device without the password. Clearly they were doing that as a diagnostic at the, at the depot and the, the Apple store didn't need it because they don't need that to do a repair internally. And they didn't ask to think, they didn't think to ask for it when they sent the computer out for repair. So I, I give this person over the phone, my firmware password, which is very complicated. Let me ask you a question about yeah. this. I want mm-hmm. to ask you a question about mm-hmm. this process. Why do you have the firmware password? Why do I have it? Uh, because yeah. So I don't have it on my iMac because I travel with the MacBook Pro, and if you know it right. were to, to walk away or something, I wouldn't want somebody to be able to boot it and get into it. Um, it's not anything you ever but, run into unless you try to boot it from like a USB drive or from recovery or something. It's kind of like the reason for having it is negated by giving it to somebody over the telephone, though, right? Like, yeah, you but it's uh, Apple. Like, like, you know, you know, I, I, 
And and honestly, I would change it when I got it back because I gave it to somebody else. Um, okay. So in my mind, I think they did not ask for an administrative password, and they're probably going to need it, right? So I hang up the phone. Two hours later, Mr. Hackett, we're trying to get in touch with you about your repair. Please call us at this number. Reference oh this case gosh. number. I call them back. Now I had created a administrator on this machine just for them. The username was Apple. The password was Apple. I give the nice <laughs> the nice woman on the phone that username and password. She says, "Great, thank you so much. Hopefully, we won't have to call you again." Like, because they have a record of all this, so she can see what I've been through already. At this point, I've been without the machine six days, so it's like nine days or something since my first interaction, and then it's been gone for a while. Uh, so I finally get it eight days later. You know, like a, a total it's gone a total of eight days. I finally get it back, and it's fine. You know. Uh, I'm not out the 428 bucks. All, the first thing I did in the Apple Store, open it, open text edit, and type every single key. All the keys work. They all feel good, right? None of them are like uneven. Um, the so it's fixed. It's fine. But but in the meantime, uh, an episode of ATP came out, and I'm going to ruin this. Is a couple episodes ago now, so like sorry. Uh, Marco Armit bought a late 2015 MacBook Pro to replace his touch bar because he just got fed up with it, which I understand. Um, I'm not doing that. like, But I did have a 2012 MacBook Pro in the collection that it needs a battery, but it's fine. Uh, and I needed actually came came into a situation where I needed a laptop while this one thing was gone. Usually I don't need a, compu- a laptop in town. I usually mostly use it for travel or I just want to work from somewhere else. But my iMac is my main machine. So... Uh, so I needed it, so I, I migrated my user to it. Uh, there's a lot of funny stuff with that, including that this MacBook Pro now thinks it has Touch ID <laughs> because I migrated it from a computer with Touch ID, uh, which is uh, pretty funny. There's a tweet about that in the show notes. Uh, so I've been using this late or later, mid-2012, whatever it is, Retina MacBook Pro, and I, I see, again, I don't think I'm doing this, but I see what Marco is saying, right? Like it has all the ports I need. The keyboard is pretty good. It's still Retina. I understand why he did it. And like, I have this virus in my brain of like, maybe I just use the 2012 MacBook Pro for a while. And because at the end of the day, like, yeah, the Apple Store like screwed this up multiple times, but ultimately they took care of me. Ultimately they paid for the repair, which is all I wanted. Like, after that, um, after that, it doesn't really matter how long it took, like, because I, I didn't have to pay for it. But um, the the deal is. I now feel like this computer is a ticking time bomb. Like I feel like this this keyboard is just like one tiny piece of debris away from failing again. And I, I would not mm-hmm. own a late 2016 MacBook Pro without Apple Care. Like people can debate if Apple Care is worth it or not. I tend to do it because I know how expensive these repairs are on these computers. But I, at the same time, I could say I've had multiple computers over the years where I bought Apple Care and never needed it. But if the GPU goes out on this iMac, then the whatever it was, two or three hundred bucks is worth it. If your keyboard dies on your MacBook Pro and it's four hundred and twenty-eight dollars to get a key fixed, maybe you should buy Apple Care. So if I keep this thing, I'm definitely gonna buy Apple Care for it. But I just don't want to. Like I just don't it, it left such a bad taste in my mouth knowing how much this repair is. Uh, I don't know what to do. So I have the 2016 MacBook Pro, it's here on my desk. I've I haven't really logged into it again. Like I've just been using the 2012 and we'll just see what happens. But it was such a pain. And like, and I, at the same time, I think nerds experience this. We're going to talk about 
about this later, I think. When nerds have something happen with their computers or with their devices, like it's sort of better than the average person because I understand like how things can go wrong, like how repairs can be complicated. But at the same time, it also kind of makes it worse because I know how to do a, a good job at it. Like I know what steps they could have taken. Like that genius should have known better than trying to, to blame accidental damage on it. Like I told him, it was like, you and I both know that these keyboards are fragile. Like, I don't know why we're playing this game. Uh, so it's been really frustrating, but it, it is back. Apple did take care of it. Ultimately, any interaction I had with Apple was really pot. Like <laughs> the second time I had to call them to give them the second password. Uh, like you could just hear in her voice that she was like disappointed that she had to call me again. Like that we had to have another interaction over it. Um, so yeah, that's the story. It's been like four years uh, since this key broke, it feels like. But now it's over until, you know, another nine months from now and it breaks again. Whew. Um, hmm. well, that was a story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the problem is, you both have big stories today. The problem with this is, that I find is that it shouldn't cost nearly $500 no. to replace a key on a keyboard. And if that is what it costs... The product wasn't designed well. Yeah, so like, so I, I think we should clarify a little bit. If if the key itself just breaks, they basically do it in store. They have a box of them, whatever. They they pop one on, and they tried that at first, and then he took the time to actually see what was wrong. Um, but if the top case fails, so if those little metal brackets bend or break, or if the little so the key sits on a little rubber switch, if that breaks or falls off uh, or is damaged somehow, then the entire top case. Uh, is that 428. So it's top case, keyboard, uh, and battery. And a lot of that expense is the labor because the way these machines are built, they're built into the top case. So basically, you put them face down and you take all the guts out of one, including the screen, and like attach it. Like you're rebuilding the computer from zero. Um, so I understand why it costs that, but I totally agree with you. It is ridiculous that, the, that such a simple failure can lead to such an expensive repair. And it is worse with this MacBook Pro because the keyboard is worse. But this is a, a flaw inherent to the unibody design, that since they started doing unibody with the original MacBook Air, and then in 2008 when they introduced it into the MacBook Pros, this is the expense because everything is built into this one piece. And you have to replace that piece, a lot of stuff comes with it. And I'm not suggesting Apple get away from the unibody. I really like it. I mean, this machine is thin and light and amazingly rigid, but clearly you need to have some sort of thing in your system of like... If this key, you know, if this if these keyboards have problems, we need a, a, a cheaper way to fix them. I, I still yeah. think that we could be in a situation where Apple opens a repair extension program on these keyboards. Like, hey, for three years, enter out of warranty. If your keyboards fail, we're going to replace it for you. They should do that because this design, is, as you said, is inherently flawed. Because the thing is, we've had Unibody Max for a while. Yes. But it's only now that there seems to be widespread keyboard yeah, problems. Yeah, because the old keyboards are, are, are way more robust. And uh, could they be replaced without taking the top case off, the old ones? Or did they still need that? Like, if if I if you bust a key on your 2012, what yeah. happens? So it's the same It's the same type deal. If, if that little rubber piece or one of the brackets is broken, it needs a top case. But the way they were designed, that was far less likely to happen. I mean, you really, to really break one of these keyboards in a way that you need a top case, it would have to be accidental damage. You would have to, like, go in the digging around with a dental pick. Now, mm. it's much easier for it to happen because the keyboards fail, and then it leads to this other issue. 
Yeah, I don't know, man. Ugh. It seems like a bit of a mess Keyboards. to me. Con- connected, we are all just in, in keyboard pain, I feel like, the last couple months. Mm. And it's just... I'm um, okay. You're okay? You're yeah, okay? yeah. Microsoft sure? Sculpt ergonomic keyboard on the Mac, and then I barely use the laptops, so I don't care, and I don't have problems. And then I use the smart keyboard, because the smart keyboard yeah. is the best keyboard that Apple currently makes. I agree with that. Um, well, the, iPads, the Magic so. keyboard is, is still pretty good. The external aluminum I, I one. I prefer it. I don't like the Magic keyboard. I never liked yeah, it. That's fine. I don't I mean, know why. Yeah. It's just not for me. That's fine. Hmm. You know, I like the smart hmm. keyboard, too. I mean, I, I've been typing along the iPad, and like... Keyboard's really good, especially on the 10.5. Like the size is really nice, um, mm-hmm. and it uses the same switches as my stupid MacBook Pro, but it's covered in cloth, so stuff can't get in. Like, just pull a Surface <laughs> yep. Book and cover the thing in a rug, and you'll be fine. <sighs> Fishing for titles mm. there, I like it. Cover it in a rug, it's mm-hmm. a good one. Uh, Federico, oh, man, mm. I, I'm just taking a nice little backseat today, but I've got something right for the end of the show, so we'll wait. We'll wait. Don't worry, I'll get my time. Uh, Federico, are, I, I see yeah. a note in the document here where you are concerned about fine art in your applications. Well, it's just this is something that Stephen and I were discussing uh, a few days ago that it seems like there's a trend lately in these big services of sort of redesigning some key aspects of the like branding and splash screens and websites with this new artistic you know these illustrations um I, I, and i find it fascinating because uh, especially you know we we talked about dropbox and how they are putting this huge emphasis on this you know uh, this fancy redesign and the the whole idea of letting your your inner <laughs> creative energy flow, whatever that means. Um, and Todoist uh, has also now added a bunch of illustrations to, to the service. Sort of, they're, they're making these announcements. Now we have new illustrations, which now I'm not, I'm not against pretty things. <laughs> like it's, if you want to have like these illustrations, it's fine. I, I think there's a, I think it's somewhat strange when, um, like, you do not expect art. You you do not expect you do not expect uh, fine art from your water pipes. Like, um, utilities are not supposed to be showcased in a museum, you know. And so I I think it's it it is strange. It's just strange to me to have this contrast between something that I use because it's useful. But I'm not expecting to be gaining an artistic uh, sentiment out of that, and also having these companies focus on oh now you have these beautiful illustrations in your to do list. Well, I, I'm not sure I needed illustrations in my task manager, but sure I'll take it. And when it gets to the extreme, such as with Dropbox, it you know, and they have this and uh, like site-wide redesign and a blog post and these major announcements. It kind of makes me wonder, have they focused on this for the past several months? Um, so it's just something to, to sort of, you know, we see these trends uh, come and go with these uh, uh, big companies, big web companies. They have money, they can invest on this stuff. And of course, Todoist is just like a minor case of a, case of a bunch of splash screens uh, it's more it's more exaggerated in dropbox maybe but um it uh, i i was thinking about why i find this strange and i guess the problem is indeed that when i'm using a 
some kind of software because it does a thing, I'm surprised when the that simple utility, that simple thing gets embellished with a bunch of illustrations. Like, I'm not expecting to see the Mona Lisa in text edit. You know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, there's that contrast, which I find uh, strange. Yeah. So for Todoist, it came with version 11.6 of their iPhone and iOS app. It's like the top bullet. A new surprise when you reach Todoist <laughs> Zero. Yeah, that's the tone. Like yeah. It's always like, there's something new for you to experience. No, it's not an experience. It's an illustration. Yeah. It's not like I'm opening my task manager and I'm taken aback by this I, magnificent illustration. I was taken aback. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think the problem with a lot of this stuff, and I mean, this is how things tend to be with, with software and services. Like, if they're not perfect for you if there's something you use them but there's something about it that frustrates you but like whenever the company or the individual is working on something that's not something that you want it, right. it's frustrating right because it's like mm-hmm. why are you not fixing the thing or advancing the thing and i want but instead you're adding this other feature it is exacerbated when that additional feature is a new illustration because you just know people had to take time to do it right mm-hmm. like these things they don't they don't just magically appear so it's i mm-hmm. i get the frustration also like you know i'm with you that it's like Please understand what you are, right? Like this is like yeah. a big thing with Dropbox yeah. right now. It's like your customers don't care about the fact that you <laughs> have created some beautiful illustrations. Like this is not a thing that we care about, <laughs> and so you don't have to position it like it is the best thing ever. Like Dropbox should have published their the redesign stuff, but they shouldn't have tweeted about it from the main Dropbox Twitter account, right? Like it's not mm. something that your customers should care about. Like your internal ideas about your design like about life people don't care about that right like Mm. that is for you to do and you should care about it but you don't have to be like look how amazing this is and expect everyone to go yep i know it right like no that's not that's not how it works so i also like really like realistically it's not like i'm opening dropbox and like i'm moving a bunch of folders around and i'm zipping documents and then as i'm looking at the file manager i realize you know my life should be better i should i should let my creative (laughs) energy flow it's not like that process does not exist like there's no correlation between managing my files and suddenly realizing that my life needs to have more creative energy Mm -hmm. i just i don't understand yeah. It is I don't know what it is but like I feel like it is a thing where <laughs> these app, like these these services and these companies they feel like they have to make you feel like they're more important to you than they actually might be and and I assume this is to keep you using their system savage but I don't know who this works on mm. There must be some some people that this works for but it, I mean, it's like there's. I'm trying to understand why this bothers me because I think it shouldn't bother me. Like it's just it's just a company doing a thing, but it's the trying to extract a feeling from my usage of your software that, like, on a personal level, like just sync my files and let me move my folders on iOS. That's all I ask for. And instead, they're trying to get personal with me, and I don't want that. Like, I, you know, and also the illustrations are kind of ugly. But I'm sorry, this <laughs> is just good. taste. Uh, the Dropbox ones, the Todoist ones are fine, right? They're fine. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Dropbox ones are, um, you know, 
So, so Federico, what know. you need to do and what I expect to see now, mm. you know, you review a lot of apps on Mac Stories. You and your team do, <laughs> no. do no. an incredible no. job. No. Yeah. I expect uh-huh. a section in every review now to discuss the type of art that's being used on screens that yeah. otherwise will just have text. Get on it. You can, you know, you can write that all in Italian or something, so it's more fine, you mm. know? Yeah, fi- right? fine that's art, like fine an Italian text. Fine, fine yeah, stories. exactly. Mm. And it's like written in papyrus or something, you know, so it it, it, oh, man. it fits that little papyrus? section. Man. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think your site's finally going to make it after this. This is going to be the turning yep. point into this success. Is this is this is your breakthrough right. moment. It is. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I need to do. <laughs> we <laughs> All right. <laughs> we talked about the iMac Pro a little bit on the show. Uh I know Federico's super excited about it. I just wanted to point out uh there's this uh, Final Cut Pro 10 Creative Summit that happens in Cupertino that Apple is involved with. I don't know, quite understand the the relationship between Apple and this thing. Anyways, the iMac Pro was was there uh, on demo, and uh, it looks really awesome. Space gray accessories, which look which look really sweet. Um, talks about Final Cut Pro 10.4, which will include color support and support for HEVC and uh, direct import of iOS of iMovie timelines, which is cool. You can start on your iPhone or iPad and then move it to Final Cut. And uh, the iMac Pro just seems awesome. People were doing like 8K footage on it, and it was taking it like a champ, whereas the late 2015 sometimes struggles on 4K. Uh, I think if you make video for a living and you aren't interested in a, in a Mac Pro or can't wait for the Mac Pro, this definitely seems like a computer that could work for for your needs. And I'm I'm super interested in it. I want to see how it goes. Uh, at launch, but I definitely have been thinking about this computer uh, as a as a eventual replacement of my iMac. So, do you dream about it? No, no, I don't dream about it. But okay, um, do you feel like an illustration would help? I think so. Like yeah, if they put like a nice colorful. No, no, like, that's what I need like, now. <laughs> that's what I need because my late twenty fifteen takes so long to render four K video. If Final Cut could just show me some some illustrations while it's crunching video in the background, <laughs> I think that'd be really nice. See, yeah. So. I hope your creative energy flow. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you know what a Johnny Ive illustration would be like. Just a like. white screen. Just a just a white screen. <laughs> like I I understand, but but this iMac Pro, right? Like seriously, like I understand how difficult this thing is to build and 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 blah 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 blah. Like you know, it's very powerful. I really don't like those air vents on the back. It needs it though. It's very. <laughs> I know it needs it, which is why I knew you were going to say it. Which is why I said I understand yeah. it. Right, yeah. I understand it needs it, but it looks it's very like, Windows it's like, PC. It's like racing stripes. Um, I don't like them. Yeah, so, I don't like so, them. And I, I, they've done a good job of trying to hide them. And like, I never see that. Right, mm. like I'm never going to look around the back of my Mac. But like, it is a little ugly. Yeah. So I've talked to several nerds who do video and audio. Uh, you know, names you would expect. And there's there are definitely some people who are super interested in this. And the people. Like Marco and me, I think of like, yeah, this looks great. I just want to see how it performs because they say that the airflow is like whatever they say, eighteen times better, but it's only you know ten times hot or something. Whatever it is, they seem to have headroom built in. But as long as it's silent while recording a podcast, like my late twenty fifteen is, then I think it would it'd be fine for my uses. Um, but I kind of want to see just because it's so new. Uh, I don't know if I, you know if I would wait to Gen two or like at very less like see some reviews, have some people I trust use it for a while. Uh, I know Jason uh, Snell's been thinking about it. He's doing anything multi core Final Cut or sound you know cleanup or whatever. 
any sort of those tasks would be faster. And speed is always good. Plus, the accessories are in space gray. So even if I don't end up with one, I'm sure I actually already have it on like my collection wish list. iMac Pro space gray input devices because it looks like the mouse Darth Vader would use if he used a bad mouse. It would be in his little containment pod that yeah. he sits in. Mm-hmm. His cool office. Spoiler alert. Today's show is brought to you by Timing, the smarter way to track time. Time is your most precious resource. You need to know what you're doing with it. But manual time tracking can interrupt your workflow. It can be easy to lose track of and it can be frustrating. Or sometimes you can set a timer and you come back to it 165 hours later and realize that you just never turned it off. But this is what makes timing different. Timing automates your time tracking to save you as much time as possible and so you don't have to deal with these hassles. First, it automatically tracks how you spend the time on your Mac broken down by app, website, and document. But that is a lot of data to work through. So timing lets you drag and drop to create rules that automatically categorize your time. Timing also understands that not all of your work happens on the Mac, and that's why it automatically suggests little gaps for you to fill in in your timeline so you never forget to track a meeting or a phone call. And it can automatically ask you what you did whenever you return to your Mac so you can just enter it and get on your way. Timing is also available on SetApp as well, so you can check out the Timing website for more details about that. But you can download a 14-day free trial just by going to timingapp.com slash connected, and you'll save 10% when you purchase. I think that this is a great app. I love the graphs. I love the charts. I love the fact that it saves you from needing to deal with a ton of categorization because it does it for you. It's really, really nicely made. So go check it out right now, timingapp.com slash connected, and you'll save 10% when you purchase, and you'll get a 14-day trial as well. Timing. Stop worrying about time and focus on doing your best work instead. So, did we make our pre-orders in time for the iPhone 10? Stephen, did you make your pre-order? I most definitely did. I was up at uh, 2 a.m. my time, and I have a silver 256 gig with Apple Care Plus. I remembered this time, and I did not follow Federico's advice. I ordered it at the same time. Uh, my order closed at like 2.03 a.m. or 2.04 a.m., and I'm doing in-store pickup uh, this Friday at 8.30 in the morning, so... Thumbs up. Wow, early. Thumbs early up bird. here. Yeah, I got a busy day Friday, and uh, the store's going to be hectic, so, you know, just get it. It was, it was the first one available. I was like, just get it out of the way. And, um, and yeah, so I'm, I'm excited. Um, uh, what about what about you, Mike? <laughs> Let's go to Federico first. <laughs> I feel like we should get, <laughs> oh, no. just get Federico's situation oh, out of the way, and then we can maybe go to mine. Uh, I was able to pre-order my iPhone 10, which should be coming on Friday. Uh, uh, my setup, as I described last week, consisted of my MacBook Pro uh, on Wi-Fi, my iPhone on 4G, and my one of my iPad Pros, because now I, I can say that, Mike, one of my iPad Pros on Wi-Fi also. And the Italian time for pre-orders was 9 a.m., and I started refreshing at 8.59 uh, and for until 9.06 a.m., uh, the website was down and the app was not loading. Uh, I was kind of getting concerned because I, I had Twitter uh, streaming on my MacBook and I was taking a look at people being able to uh, put in their pre-orders. But at uh, 9.06, the app went, became available on my iPhone, so on 4G. Um, 
and I was able to do the pre-order in like 10 seconds. And my email that I got right away, my email says that uh, uh, seven minutes, uh, uh, basically 907 that's when I when I uh, did my pre-order and I paid with Apple pay so that took about like three seconds to complete and I did not add Apple care and <clears throat> I did not select a pickup location no I'm gonna get Apple care I just I didn't want to add extra that's seconds to the to the purchase uh process so i am going to buy apple care plus uh i also did not set uh as i was thinking about like sylvia was looking at my phone and she was like do you wanna do you wanna get it at the apple store and i thought about it for a fraction of a second then i thought no it's going to ask me questions about the place where i want to go to and i don't want to waste time so i'm just gonna buy right now yeah. and uh I got the email right away my card got charged the same day and now supposedly it's coming on friday i screwed it up <laughs> No, Mike. Did you do, Mike? What happened? I mean, I followed the teaching method, right? Like I had, like I had all different devices, all different situations, networks, all that thing. And then, like the store refreshed, and I was able to, like, it popped up, and it was like third uh, for pickup. So, like, I went to do that, but then I don't know why I did this. I decided I should change the store to a different store in London. I don't know why I did this. It was so stupid. I don't know. I don't know why I did it. It recommended a store that like isn't very uh, easy for me to get to, but like I could have gotten to it, right? Like it's not a problem, but no, I was like, no, I want to get it from this store. So I ruined it. I ran out of time. Like by the time I got there, it was already like weeks away. So then I'm not thinking straight, right? So what do I do? I back out. To get and try the other color, I'm, I don't know why I did this. It's all wrong. I just I was in a haze. It's like I never done this before. And then I went into that, and it was like they couldn't. It was un, everything was unavailable. Pick up then. It was only a couple of minutes. So I have an order from Apple for a silver. It's not white. I keep getting told it's not white for the silver iPhone 10 uh, to be delivered between the 13th and 20th of November. Problem number one: I am going to America on the 16th of November. So. I have a small window of time to receive this order. But I have some other uh, options oh, no. going on right oh, now. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> uh, options. This, so, I have other options. Is, is, is one of the options I have options. a guy in an alley? <laughs> like, what are you doing? Uh, maybe. <laughs> no, no. That might, that might be one of them. Um, You're going to get married. Placed an order for pickup at a store in a chain, very big chain in the UK called the Carphone Warehouse. They, it's huge. They People seem huge not to like them. Like just, just on the Twitter. Problem, okay, so the problem with the Carphone Warehouse is this is very normal for them. They will tell you that the phone is going to be with you on release day. They will charge you and then you get an email like the next day and like, nah, it's going to be the 10th. Oh, no. This is a very normal thing. But I have spoken to them and they have told me it's the 3rd that I'm going to be able to pick this phone up. Um, everybody that I know that has been that has called them, because I know a few people that did this, that called them and they were told the 10th, I think they're all getting the space gray. So that might be a bit delayed. I don't know what's going on, but I've been charged. They told me it's for pickup. But I also have uh, a potential resale opportunity from a very nice person. Uh, so I have a couple of options. I may end up with two iPhones, Um I don't know what I'm doing yet. This is like the Nintendo Switch all over again. Day phone, night phone. I, but yeah, I'm going to deal with... If I do end up with two, I already have a buyer for the second one. Um, 
don't at me. So I don't know what's going on yet. But I'll see. By next week, you'll know. Uh, I'm confident that I will be able to get an iPhone mm-hmm. on Friday. But it's all still very, like, who knows Wow. Uh, but I've ruined it. I just, to- I just, I don't know what I did. That sucks. <laughs> I was awake like half an hour before, but like so you, you just, you just panicked. I panicked. Um, yeah, yeah. The- I panicked. Uh-huh. Mm. Well, I that happened know, to me uh, once. Yeah, so I, yeah, yeah. I, I totally understand. I totally understand. Yeah, yeah. That's too bad. Well, so, you got options, so you you got a you got, got a bunch options. of backups. No, I'm, I'm, I'm really yeah. pleased that I have like a couple of options. There's even like a there's like another option as well, where like another friend is like they they have bought a phone but it's not the one that they want and if i don't get it they will sell it to me but it's also not the phone that i want right it's like a 64 mm. but like mm. so yeah i i have mm. a bunch of options which will mean that i mm. will hopefully at least have a phone next week so i could talk about it um and then i'll work out what i want to do after that but fingers mm. crossed it's very it's, it's just yeah i have a second part to my story oh. which we're, we're now getting to we're now getting to the potential problem of my pre-order so I will be uh, driving on Friday no. because we need to do we need to do a few things. No, um, this is unacceptable. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. So, in theory, we are leaving at eleven a.m. around that time, Mm-mm. and usually, my uh, UPS uh, person and friend uh, does not show up until lunchtime, and that is a problem, of course, because I want to get my iPhone on Friday. So I've been considering multiple options oh, here. No. Uh, oh. First, oh, no. I I need to I need to understand whether the UPS guy comes usually at around lunchtime because he likes to have lunch to pick up like a slice of pizza at the bakery, or if that if the this the bakery the, is so intrinsic to your life, like I feel like your it, entire it, world a, revolves around this bakery. So the the. Um, the reason why this entire bakery delivery system started off in the first place, it's because the UPS guy, the UPS guy had the idea, like, he, he planted the seed of the idea in my mind, and then I decided to, to use that as a, as a plan. But I knew that, like, he goes to this bakery to pick up something for lunch. Now, does the UPS guy have to do that or can he come to my house and deliver the package at like 10 a.m. if I asked him to? But there's two problems to this. First, how can I ask the UPS guy to make an exception from his usual schedule? And second, am I sure that the delivery is going to be taken care of UPS? So um, I'm trying to address these these doubts in Mm. two ways. (laughs) <laughs> so the second the, the second point uh I'm I'm trying an experiment. I <laughs> I pre-ordered uh, like I bought other stuff from the Apple store. Yeah. So th- I can see the UPS guy before and talk to him. Oh. Uh, like t- <laughs> tomorrow. <Wow>. Yeah. <laughs> like you today know, today my, and on okay. Thursday. So I'm just going to say this, right? Like you could just just grease his palm a little bit, you know? No, no, no. Like, the, I, you know, no, once you go down that road, no, no, just, you are always greasing the palm. That, that's a bridge you can't uncross. <laughs> no, no, because you just say, like, on this occasion, could you please come to me at this time? And I would really appreciate it. And then you reach out so your hand, it, right? And you have, you have, hold, you know, you have, a, you have a cool 20 in it. There's more. Hold on. So what I did is I 
So I told you that I didn't particularly care for wireless charging, but I bought the the, the Belkin Boost Up charger anyway yep. because it had a delivery date of Thursday. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, this is perfect because Why didn't UPS you just get a case or something. Do you do you <laughs> because you it needed to be it needed to be in the style of the iPhone 10. So the UPS guy comes to my house the day before, and I can talk to him and I can be like, hey. Is there any chance like tomorrow morning you can maybe make an exception and instead of showing up at 1 p.m. you can be here at 10 a.m.? So, you know, it's the day before. This is perfect. And I was really excited because I had this plan. And yesterday, last night, I get this notification from the from the Apple store that says, well, um, your order is going to be to your house tomorrow instead of Thursday. I'm like, okay, uh, tomorrow is Tuesday, it's fine. Uh, it will probably remember something that I asked him on Tuesday on, you know, it, it'll keep it in mind for Friday. And as, as I was thinking about this, like, you know, is he really going to remember a question from Tuesday when it's Friday morning? And so in the meantime, I also bought something else from the Apple store. Um, oh my God, <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like a, like a cable. <laughs> <laughs> which, which keyboard? <laughs> which no, no, no! A, a cable, like uh, a USB okay, cable. Okay. Uh, oh, USB really? Cable. This poor I guy. Got a, I got a USB C cable that should be coming did, on did Thursday. Did you need it? Uh, or was it the cheapest so, thing no, you no, could find? No, no, no just the cheapest thing. You should have just gone with the adapter. So the I thought. Adapter. So I thought <laughs> I can ask him. I thought I can ask him a question on Tuesday, and then I can ask him another, the same question on Thursday, and then when it's Friday morning, he will remember my request. So have you seen him today? Has he come today? Uh, hold on. Oh. <laughs> this morning <laughs> this morning I get the following notification oh, no. from deliveries. <laughs> it says an a non UPS labor dispute has de- oh. has delayed your delivery. Oh. So there's a national there's a national strike um for delivery companies. Uh, there are uh, yesterday and today they are not delivering orders. Um and it seems that UPS is affected, uh, even if it, it technically it's not a UPS strike, but some of the companies that they use, you know, the like truck drivers, for example, the uh, you know there's there's this national strike. So uh, at this point, I'm not sure where the Belkin uh, boost up charger is. <laughs> Uh, the, the cable should should be here on Thursday, I think, and all of this to say that. My iPhone should be coming on Friday. I think I will be able to still get the phone because I signed up for UPS My Choice, which is this extra like additional service where you can monitor your delivery and Quite make possibly changes. Possibly the hardest sign up process yes. for anything ever. Yes. It's almost impossible to do it, but once you do it, they give you more information about your packages. It is, but it is like baffling to try and sign up for this service. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, worst case scenario, I will make changes to my delivery from UPS My Choice and set like a, like a pickup point. There are a bunch around my house. Uh, I mean, like official pickup points, not the bakery, <laughs> um, like stores when you need to show your ID, like stuff like that. Um, but worst case scenario, I will just call the guy or text him because I have Wait, his you phone have his number. Phone like, number? I have his personal cell. Why are you cell. doing all of this, Federico? You well, have his it contact seems like information. An intrusion. It seems like an intrusion of his privacy to just call him on the phone and be like, hey, I'm the guy. You, where did you get his phone from number? From Amazon. <laughs> where did you get his phone number? 
he like gave it to no, 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 he didn't give it to me but he, he called me one once he called me on the phone and he was and he was like this is my phone number and so i saved this phone number oh, yes. That's but I, ne- i never i never used it i never used it because it seems like a little too much maybe mm. i still think he needs no, to I don't give wanna, some I, money I don't, he needs, he needs I don't wanna... <laughs> a tip or a bribe however you want to do it but I, like you gotta you gotta you gotta make this worth his while i'm man. struggling man you know you know i was thinking about this all of these problems would be solved if we decided to move and go live in a building where there's a doorman that takes care of packages mm-hmm. instead of doing this whole dance of the bakery and the UPS guy and being able to talk to the UPS guy before. Like, if we had an actual building with an actual doorman that would take care of these problems and these packages, that would be fixed. But The, the other thing is, like, just to plan your week better and not be leaving the house on Friday. Yeah. Well, that... Uh, just cancel no, whatever yeah, it is. Unfortunately, the, yeah. <laughs> Is it more important than an iPhone? You know, like is anything? Feel like I feel like I'm exhausted. I don't. I still oh. th- feel serious. I like. I, I make it. It's a joke, but like I'm being serious. You need. You need to make it worth this guy's time. Because if he does this, if he actually does this for you, he's going outside of the route that is decided for him by the company. Yes, right. That's, so a, that's the his problem. His day is going to be worse. Now you're gonna you're gonna get him fired. Is what you're gonna do. You're, no, no, yeah, no, no, don't no. do this. As long as he delivers all these packages, he'll be fine. I mean, right? the guy stops at a bakery to have lunch. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure he can be flexible. <laughs> oh, he, he can just, you know, I, I mean, I don't know how this stuff works, but my assumption is like they give him a route so he can finish his stuff within the time that he has allotted yes. for the day. Yes. So like he might just need to work a little bit later. So in that case, you got to make it worth. So, so how much money is acceptable, Mike? What what should the amount be? Is it is it, is it bribery yes. if you just if it's a favor? hundred percent. It's hundred percent bribery. But how much? This is yeah. inconvenient. <laughs> I don't know. Something like well, okay. So this this is the thing, right? You're spending like a thousand euro, right, on this phone. Yeah. So you give him fifty. So five percent. Is is it is it bribery if you talk about it before on a podcast? Yes, it makes it's, it more. It's bribery. It makes it more bribery. <laughs> if you give him the money beforehand, it's bribery. If you give him it afterwards, it's a tip, right? It's but, a, see, it's a t- it's a tip. No, but you've got to you've got to convince him to do it beforehand by giving him the money. What if I promise a tip? That's bribery. <laughs> I guess that's bribery. Oh, no, because <laughs> you may as well give him the money at that point. Well, are you uncomfortable with bribery? Isn't that? I mean, why? Why? Well, does that not happen I, in I'm, Italy? <laughs> I was trying to avoid that. <laughs> <laughs> well, all I'm saying is okay. So I just uh, it again, happens everywhere. Adina, it Adina happens doesn't everywhere, listen Mike. to this show, so I'm going to say it. Quite a lot of this happens in Romania. Like, there's a lot of this type of thing. Like, everybody's doing favors and giving each other money for it. <laughs> it, right? uh, it does happen a lot, especially in Rome with the there local go, government. Uh, but um, I don't want to be like them. So I feel like there should be another way for me to 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 convince the the UPS guy to. Why don't you give uh, him some pizza, or just be like. Oh, I'll cover bribery? your lunches for you for a few weeks. It's all bribery, but it's just not money changing hands. Like, in, it, is, it bri- know, is it bribery if you if it, is it bribery if you eat it? If it's a slice of pizza, yeah, it's not it, money. It's, it's still not bribery. cash. Still bribery. <sighs> the rules are so stringent on this. Like, it's not fair. I mean, it's Whoa. it's what you're doing by going to the bakery and buying bread or a cupcake or whatever every time you go pick up something. Mm. It's the same. You're just moving that's to the next level of handing someone I cash. Get, I, if you get a receipt, if you get a receipt, that's not bribery. But you, you weren't going to buy the cupcake otherwise. You're already down this rabbit well, hole. Do, just go, just yeah. fully... Just take the next step. <laughs> yeah, you're already in the tub. Just slowly lower yourself into the warm water of bribery. You'll, you'll be, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> like, you know, you're not committing a crime. 
right? Like, you know, nothing bad's happening. You just, you're making it worth this guy's while. That's all it is. You keep repeating this expression. It's really creepy, Mike. But it's true, though, right? You're saying to him, like, oh, do me a favor. And he's like, why? And you're just like, because I want my iPhone? Yeah. Like, what's the reason? So, so, Mike, have you bribed somebody in the service industry for something? You seem to be I've comfortable with it. I've never bribed anybody. Yeah, me neither. I, I've never done it. <laughs> I've never done it. But in this case, though, this I would before. totally do this. Like, if I am Federico in this situation, 100% I would say to the guy, Please, can you do this? I'll make it worth your while. Yeah. I would do that. 100%. And then you got to be done asking. Do so after this, though, no more favors. Like you got you to gotta reset or the expectation well, no, is going to be the year, cash is involved you know? with everything. You got to back someone off. On Twitter, someone on Twitter told me, have you considered buying gifts for the bakery and the UPS You definitely guy? should. And oh, I think, I, I, anyway. think I should. That's, that's, that's the Christmas bonus, right? Like, so like we have a guy who does like caretaking services for our building. And Is that bribery? We give him a, buying gifts? For we give him a Christmas, Christmas bonus. Just so like <laughs> if later on we might need something, yeah. he might help us because we he knows he's going to get a bonus from us every so year. I went through this. You know? I went through this. You guys remember when I was collecting the 13 IMAX. Uh, as you might imagine, yeah. actually like 17 showed up because I had to weed through some. And the boxes are very large and heavy. And turns out in my old house, I knew the UPS guy. We were in the same cycling club. And so one day I'm outside with my kids. He's like, oh, oh. hey, man. I'm like, oh, you're the guy bringing all these IMAX every day. So sorry. And I was going to get him a gift. And then we moved. And I haven't seen him since. Like, I don't, I don't know if we're just not riding together anymore. But now I have this over my head. Like, if I see him... I feel like I got to have a gift in the trunk of my car, like ready to go at all times because he lugged these heavy IMAX and I, and I wasn't even doing anything near the level of uh, messing with the system that Federico is. So you should definitely do gifts for the bakery and the UBS guy. Yep. And you should just hit reset on all of this. Like tell him like, Hey, if I'm not here, just like treat me like any other customer or use one of those pickup locations. Like Amazon just opened one at the Whole Foods around the corner from my house because they own yeah. Whole Foods. Like, it is kind of wild, Federico, that you have a designated pickup locations that you can use, but yet you continue yeah, to use. Yeah, that's the really troubling. Well, it's just it feels like I'm I'm caught up in this in this you situation. You're in a web of lies. So, so pay this guy if you want to, and then like just just back out. Like you go up and like touch the stove real quick with the cash, and then you're done. Like back out, be a normal person again, um, and then if you need to do something in the future, like the expectations are reset, but. Uh, you've got to back all the way out or this guy is going to expect cash every time or things may happen, start happening mm-hmm. to your deliveries. I mean, who knows? I don't know how we were talking about mm-hmm. this again. It just keeps coming up. I do want to touch real quick on Apple care. Uh, the costs are higher on this phone. So if you break the back glass on this phone, it is extremely expensive, like $549, uh, for out of warranty repair. The screen repair is 279 which is more than the previous phones. It's an expensive phone with expensive parts by Apple Care Plus. It's the charging, right? It's the wireless charging stuff, all the coils. Mm-hmm. It's probably why it's more, the back is more expensive. I assume all that's like one, one piece, you yeah. know. So you, you break it, you've got to get it all replaced. If for $549, you could just go buy an iPhone 6. <laughs> uh, so don't, don't, don't break your phone, put it in a case. I bought, I bought a case. I bought the Apple leather case, uh, the black one, the, the one I use now. Uh, what do the two of you do? Mike, I know you've been talking about a bumper case. Have you found anything that has um, met your your wildest dreams? 
I've had a few options sent to me, but I haven't decided on one yet in case I'm making one called The Frame, which looks pretty interesting, but I haven't seen it available for purchase anywhere yet, which is not surprising. Um, I bought the uh, the silicone. Yeah. like You, you know, like the, um, the, Apple the, this, the purple silicone one because it looks great. I don't want to have a case on this, uh, so I am also going to buy AppleCare whenever, <laughs> if ever, I get one of these things. And then I want a bumper just so I have added protection, but I, I want to be able to hold the glass again like I did with the iPhone 4 line. Like, I miss that. Yeah. So um, that might be a road that I go down. But I, I am buying a case so I can put it straight in a case uh, until I end up eventually getting um, Apple Care on it. Yeah. So with that, you have to take the phone into a store. You have to prove it's not broken. Uh, Federico, you said that's what you're going to be doing. Uh, I would, de- I mean, the application is expensive, but you already you already spent a thousand dollars on a phone. Like we're already past the point of this being ridiculous for oh, most man. people. You have to take it into the store. I That's so frustrating. I don't so. want to do that. I think maybe you can do it. Um, I'm googling. I think maybe you can. They do like some sort of diagnostic on it over the internet. I don't really know, huh. but that you have to basically prove that it's not broken. So if if you've like smashed your phone, then you can't, you know, show up. But here we go. Um, Purchase AppleCare Plus with your new phone or buy it within 60 days. So you only have two months, Mike. Um, so don't don't mess that up. Uh, online, it ask, it verifies your serial number to run a remote diagnostic. Go to an Apple store or call a 1-800 number. And again, it requires a remote diagnostic. So you can do it uh, in your own home, but you got to do it within 60 days. There'll be a link to that in the show notes. You can read about it. K-Base, probably. Always. Always. All right, should we talk about reviews? Yes. Because all the reviews are yes. coming out today. All right. Well, all right. I say today, the last couple of days. Uh, but before we do, let me thank our last sponsor for this week's episode, and that is Encapsula. Encapsula will help you delight visitors to your site whilst frustrating attackers, all because of their bulletproof security options and fast content delivery network. Some seriously huge companies use Encapsula every day. Fortune 500 companies, in fact. But it's not just corporate giants. Over 100,000 organizations love and use Encapsula to protect their website. Big or small, Encapsula can help make your site run faster, can protect you, and make sure everything that runs smoothly. Not only will they block your site from attackers, they'll also keep the user experience fast and smooth, so your visitors can enjoy your content undisturbed. Their customer service team have years of security and networking expertise, and they're at your disposal 24-7, and you'll get personal account management with the best service level agreement in the business. Whether you're a one-person website or a huge company, Encapsula have got you covered. As a listener of this show, you can get one whole month of service for free. All you need to do is go to Encapsula.com slash connected. That's I-N-C-A-P-S-U-L-A dot com slash connected. Check it out now to find out more about what Encapsula can do for you and claim that free month. Give Encapsula a try. You're not going to regret it. Thank you so much to Encapsula for their support of this show and Relay FM. So, iPhone 10 reviews have been staggering out over the last couple of days. So, there were a couple of things that happened yesterday, which is Monday the 30th. Uh, Stephen Levy of Back Channel slash Wired published a first impressions post as a kind of a callback to the fact that he was one of the people that got the original iPhone. Then there were a smattering of YouTube videos. So there were like a large selection of videos from 
not the usual suspects. So there isn't like MKBHD or Unbox Therapy or uh, TLD Today. Like the, the the big tech YouTubers weren't in this. But it was more kind of uh, middle ground YouTubers. A bunch of people that I've been familiar with, like as a guy that I subscribed to called Your Average Consumer. He was there. He had a video. There was like a bunch of different YouTubers that have videos. Um, and they're kind of like... I say mid-level, but it's like hundreds of thousands of subscribers, right? But like in the YouTube tech world, that is mid-level because the top tier is like millions of subscribers. And it was seen, what it looked like, it was a, a large selection of videos. Oh, Sarah uh, Dichi had one too. She's really great. I'll put some links to some of these in the in the show notes in case you want to see them. There, what it looked like is that there were a bunch of videos that went out having all been recorded in the same place. So what it appears to have been was a location in New York that Apple had set up to kind of look like a demo area that exists after a hands-on, like after an event, like the hands-on type stuff. And obviously, if you're given that kind of access as a content creator, you are going to call it a review, right? This is my review. But really, it was more like extended hands-ons that's kind of the way that it ended up being it was like big hands-on videos uh from a couple of relatively large size uh youtubers and some magazines and stuff like that they were pretty surface level um because obviously these people had only had a small amount of time i think to spend with the the devices because Mm -hmm. they were just kind of in a confined environment um and then that was kind of it for monday and it was a interesting different approach yeah, it's usually what we see are sort of the the standard reviewers, Verge, Daring Fireball, etc. Hit the embargo and drop all at the same time. And and I think we were all mm-hmm. expecting that. And that is what happened. We're going to talk about that. But instead, we saw this sort of smattering of of these YouTube videos that, that are really, I agree with you, are, are hands-on. I don't think the label's that important. Is it a review? Is it a walkthrough? No one knows. But... um. I you know I watched a bunch of them. I follow some of these channels already, and some of them I didn't. And uh, it was it was I thought it was kind of nice to see people's takes on it who aren't like steeped in the technology that we are. And you know s- some of the details are wrong and whatever. Like uh, I is a different approach. And if you've been paying attention to Apple PR, a different approach should not be that surprising. It is it is Apple PR has changed rapidly um, over the the past few years under new leadership and I think they are more willing to try new things like they, they those big name YouTubers that you mentioned get Apple press event invites you know it's like people like MKBHD or or uh, Jonathan Morrison are, are at are at events like they're in the Steve Jobs theater like doing the hands-on and the deal and this is sort of like one step past that so it's Apple continue, continuing to evolve their uh, the who they use to get their messaging out and then today, thirty first, a bunch of reviews dropped from the usual suspects. So you know there was reviews from TechCrunch, The Verge, um, I think Mashable, um, BuzzFeed. Uh, Jason Snow had a review, and MKBHD published a video. There's a bunch of stuff that's come out today, which are more kind of uh, your standard reviews. You know that they're bigger and they're written and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But one of the differences here is that, save for some exceptions. Most of these individuals got the devices yesterday. Yeah. This is very unusual. Usually these devices are given out to uh, journalists and reviewers 
weeks and weeks in advance, right? Or days in advance. Yeah. I well, say. About weeks a week. and weeks was it was weeks a bit of a stretch. But days little, and days, yeah. days. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they're given out an amount of time in advance. These weren't so much, and then kind of you know from there. Uh, for some people, it, it kind of tainted the way that they reviewed it. Like, for example, the Verge review is almost completely focused on the fact that they've only had the device for a short period of time. Yeah. Um, it, it was a really great review because Nilai is awesome. But I feel like they spent a little bit more, t- too much time in their review talking about the kind of point that's inside baseball when they actually got the device. Yeah, I, I think um, they probably, I mean, uh, David Pierce at Wired did the same thing. He's like, I got this five minutes. And the first five minutes of the video is him literally setting up the phone. I think it's just hard for people to separate that, but uh, I, I'm. It's insane that Jason got a, a review out. You guys are going to talk about it on Upgrade this week, but uh, most of these are like sort of unboxing or first impressions, being more fair to the situation that they're in. Uh, some of people push through, like Jason did. I think I think he's um, awesome for doing it. But a lot of these bigger publications are saying, "Hey, we just got it. We um, we're going to do a full review, but this is sort of a you know setup and and the the thing that is true about most of these sort of big reviews or, or hands-on and the YouTube ones are that they're basically the design, so you get to see the phone, uh, f- setting up and using Face ID, which all of them talk about, and the camera. And things like sort of the more traditional review stuff like battery testing or like what's it like to live with this new size or what's wireless charging. Like that stuff will come later, uh, but these sort of early limited time things basically force most of these stories to be just about the essentials. And that's what most people who watch these are going to care about. What is Face ID like? What's the camera like? And so they can answer those questions and then leave the detail for a second smaller cycle. So this is what I've been thinking about, right? Like there's been a lot of people kind of hand-wringing today about why is this happening? Why are these unknown people getting it first? Why are they only giving 24 hours to all of the established names? This is clearly a new new strategy and I actually think it's quite a quite... A smart one. So this is kind of the things that I've been thinking about. Point one is, who does it serve for Apple to give these devices to tech blogs? Like, who is it serving? Like, if an Apple-focused tech blog, right, they're, they're kind of just preaching to the converted. You know, people that are likely to buy it and or have made their decision. You know, like a lot of people, I don't think are necessarily waiting for the reviews to make their decision if they're in a particular bracket. Of course, there will be people like that. But I think a lot of audiences of these types of websites, you know, kind of like Jason's website, Daring Fireball, The Loop, Macworld, right? Like these people have already made their decisions, I think, by this point as to whether they're going to buy it now. And I don't know if a a review is going to change much of that. And... Frankly, the iPhone is as mass market as a product can be. So why wouldn't they push this out wider, like to more mainstream publications? Why wouldn't they give it to fashion.com? Why don't they give it to BuzzFeed? I mean, I think BuzzFeed, they were one of the sites that had it for a week. It looked like they had it for a longer period of time. And then they pick like one website, TechCrunch, to one technology side to have it for longer because for whatever reason, they've picked the people that they think can tell their story the way that they want it to be told because that's what this is. Like PR is not a, democracy right like it is a it is a specific thing that is chosen for apple to be able to get their message out in the same way and then by doing the way that they've done things with like the kind of the the extended hands-on and then some reviews and they give people a short lead time i think what we're going to do is we're going to see in-depth coverage all week which is not normal usually it's like reviews come out then there might be the old story here and there right but we got a bunch of press on monday because it was this 
big thing that was just happening. Like it just started to happen and nobody knew what's going on. Tuesday, you start getting reviews. Then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we're going to see people having bigger columns that haven't published yet. Like as of this recording, there's nothing from the Wall Street Journal, but they're working on something. And Joanna Stern's been posting like pictures of like a 3D model of her face, right? Which seems quite fun, right? You can see what she's going to do with that. There's nothing from Daring Fireball yet. Um, the Verge is still saying that they're going to have an actual review coming. MKBHD will have a review coming. Like this stuff is going to continue to move forward. I think that the one of one of the th- problems with with Apple and the way that they communicate is that they tend to do things by trend, so that when they break a trend, people think that something's broken, yeah. like something's mm-hmm. wrong, totally. Rather than maybe they've just changed the way they do things, and I think the last twelve to eighteen months has shown that they are changing all of this stuff. The way that they communicate has changed significantly in the last year or two, so. What they have done is they have decided that this old way of having these like strict embargoed reviews of giving people products for a week, this is not how it's going to be anymore. They're changing the narrative. They're changing the way that this stuff is done. And I actually think from a pure like getting your message out perspective, giving people these devices and getting yourself Mm -hmm. a week's worth of coverage is genius. I think it's a really good idea. I do too. There's a, there's a really good blog post by our friend, Matt Alexander. It'll be in the show notes, um, basically outlining what you just said, but he's got a, a good background in PR and sort of explaining why that, that longer cycle is important. And yeah, it's, it's different. And clearly some people were not a fan or were very confused or freaking out or showing that they're maybe a little out of touch, but mm-hmm. I, I think it's interesting. The, the Monday, releases that sort of mostly younger you know less known youtubers jason uh, we were talking in slack earlier mentioned that most of these channels are still bigger than popular tech podcast right so um like i'd love for tech podcasters to have access to this stuff but we're further down the chain but this is like plus it's better to have a visual medium to show off your beautiful new phone totally especially in a phone that, that looks crazy pants right like this phone looks all new they but they have different audiences you know a lot of these youtubers do tech stuff, but they also do vlogs and, and do some other types of content that people who may be listening to our shows or even us, we may not be their audience. Um, and I think I think something that, that came to mind this morning for me is that Samsung spends a ton of money and time in this audience. So Samsung, is, especially like the New York vlog scene that Casey Neistat and those people, Samsung does a lot of stuff on those channels. They do a lot of events. Those those people get review units from Samsung. And I think it's been very successful for them. And I think Apple is smart to to look at that sort of media. Like, like you know, people, like I've just closed Twitter for the day. People arguing, you know, these the, these people are not going to replace John Gruber and Jason Snell and Matt Panzerina. Well, one day they will. Like, one day we'll all be gone. Well, and mm-hmm. and uh, And what we do will be seen as sort of one type of media. And I think this... The YouTube side of things is is a different type, and and yes, you know that you can make fun of the videos, and you can make fun that they're on skateboards, and use GoPros, and use jump cuts. Like some people are very upset about the editing. It doesn't matter. It does not matter because their audience is important for Apple to reach. And Apple PR is not about what we want. Any PR company PR, like you said, it's it's not a democracy. It's what what the company wants. Like who does PR serve? It serves the company. Like companies have PR groups internally and externally so they sell more products and and using younger but extremely influential in their spheres youtubers is brilliant when you think about it that way now are all those 
people, all the audience going to rush out and buy $1,000 phones? No, but not everyone who's listening to Connected is running out and buying a $1,000 phone because we've talked about it either. But it's about getting what getting this device and getting the hype for this device into the audiences of these YouTubers. And, you know, like I said, I watched almost all of them and the excitement is there. You can tell they're excited to be there. Yeah, you know, it's not as professional as as someone who's been doing this for a long time. But again, it doesn't matter because I think they were doing a very good job at showing the device to their audiences in a way that their audiences want them to do. Like some of these these channels I've watched for a long time and their Apple videos are right in line with the other type of content they make. You know, it's not like they sort of put on the suit and tie to go talk about Apple. They're doing it in a way that's authentic to what they do on their channel. And I think if there are people in our community who really freaked out about that, and I would say like all of us, like those of us in the media, those who just consume media, like we should think about this and and really, instead of making fun about their style or about what they do or, you know, and some of them did better jobs than others, right? But that's true of the mainstream press as well. Like really understand what Apple is doing here. And if we make the conversation about that, then I think it all makes a lot more sense than complaining about the way they edit their videos. That's just stupid. Like, I mean, it's, and I think sort of the last thing, and, and we'll, uh, I'll, I'll be quiet, I'll go for my soapboxes. As someone who has worked in tech media now, really nine years since I started blogging, I remember the first times I got like breaks and the first time I got my content in front of people who I respected. Like the first interaction I ever had with Jason Snell, I don't even know if he knows this. Uh, I wrote, I wrote something in reply to what he wrote on Macworld and he emailed me disagreeing with my point. And we had a back and forth and I think we came to an understanding and then he tweeted publicly about it. Like, Hey, you know, we had, we had a chat, you know, uh, full credit to Steven for whatever. And that meant the world to me at the time because I still look up to Jason, but I looked up to him then as well. And the fact that he read something that I wrote, even if he disagreed with it, meant a lot. And anyone who has a blog remembers, you know, if you've been on Daring Fireball the first time that's happened or the first time that your favorite writer or podcast mentions, like that means things to people. And I I don't want our community to be beating up on these YouTubers because it's a big deal for their careers, right? That that some of these channels Mm -hmm. are getting promotion this week that they've never gotten before. And it's exciting for them to be invited. It'd be exciting for, for Mike or I, Federico, to be invited to an Apple event. Federico has, and it was exciting for him. Um, and so there's that angle, too, that I really find disheartening of, like, this is a, a big deal for these um, these creators, and we should be excited that they get the opportunity to do this. And that, so what if they don't make something that we agree with or that we like 100% of their decisions? Um, it's good for Apple. It's good for these creators. And, like, I think we should all just grow up a little bit. So I have two thoughts here. What, uh, the first one is, um, if you take a look at the um, the type of people who worked on these first impressions on YouTube, it's a very diverse type of creator. Uh, in the sense, there's a there's a good variety of non-white men who are about forty to fifty years old, and to have this kind of representation among the people who get some kind of early access to the to the new iPhone, I think it's great news, and I think that it that is showing how, to some degree, Apple is going sort of beyond the usual circle of middle-aged bloggers, and I'm counting myself into that group, uh, who get access to some Apple hardware when it comes out. So uh, you know, there's a 
uh, if you take a look at the channels that get access to to this uh, hands-on area, um, if you take a look at you know uh, the people who are talking in these videos, uh, you can see that it's, it tends to be more diverse than um, what we usually see when it's embargo time and you see the review on the Verge and you see you see the the iPhone on their Fireball and you see maybe an iPad on Mac Stories. So that's great, but also. Uh, I mean, besides so besides the, the the social aspect of increasing the, the 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 group of people who can talk about new Apple hardware beforehand, let's let's consider this from our own perspective of the traditional media, you know, tech blogs and and publications with websites where they put out text. Um, I think it is. If you think about it, um, it is counterintuitive and it is actually counterproductive to be sort of bitter and maybe unwelcoming to new types of tech reviews and tech audiences because it is those people who have um, a different kind of audience and uh, maybe a wider audience that later, you know, those people can make younger minds or new types of people interested in tech and to you know to expose maybe uh you know a teenager to what it means to test an iphone before it comes mm-hmm. out or to expose you know a family uh you know like like someone like my mother for example to she can watch a video she can understand what is going on and it's it is those people that will maybe later become geeks and obsessed with tech and it's that kind of audience that we cultivate on tech blogs so to be against new forms of media it is effectively if you think about it the worst move that we can possibly Mm. make because we need to make sure that new people that fresh minds are constantly exposed to these interests to 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 tech news to you know to iphones or to google phones whatever so all i'm saying is to think that is that apple is doing the wrong move here or you know any company is doing the wrong move by going beyond the traditional tech review i think it's not only you know personally i think it's wrong from a social and human level but even if you only want to talk about the business aspect i think it's not the best move that we can make because we you know our entire businesses are predicated upon the fact that there's people who want to know more about technology and so eventually you know the the 50 year olds that read max stories that read the verge you know those people maybe in 20 30 years they will die because this is what we do i'm just being honest and so we you know it's a cycle and we need to move on with times and YouTube is now a big deal and these folks from these channels will one day be a big deal and it matters that one, there's a representation but two, that you know we constantly have new people reading what we want to write and watching the videos that we want to make. So to be, to, to, to sort of, to not welcome those people is wrong on so many levels if you ask me. It's really not, it's really now what I was expecting some part of the Apple community to do when when Apple did this. Uh, yes, I was surprised. I was surprised because it's a it was a strange embargo, you know, strategy. It was a, it was an unusual uh, PR move. But the the fact alone that we are talking about this, I think it it proves that you know Apple PR succeeded. I'm just a little. Um, 
I'm just a little sad when you know I'm. I tweeted, for example, a link to Sarah Dici uh, video, and I got a bunch of nasty replies, um, and that's a little disheartening, you know. Every time it happens, um, and and I've seen others, you know, being a little uh, peculiar about this, this what Apple did, which which is sad. If you ask me, it's really sad, uh, but it is what it is, and I just think that. It's awesome that more people get to, in some limited fashion, I actually wish they had actual review units, if you ask me. Um, but I think it's awesome that new people, more people can talk about this stuff. And for, for, from my personal point of view, uh, when it comes to my business, to my website, the more people can read about technology and be and develop an interest, a hobby in technology, the better it is for me personally. But the bigger picture is, uh, you know, the more people, the more diverse group of people that can talk about this stuff, the better for everyone it is. Well said. Uh, so the iPhone 10 looks good. <laughs> we haven't really spoken about it. Uh, There's a new <laughs> phone. <laughs> I think we might as well just wait now until next week. I mean, me and Jason on upgrade today. We're gonna. Jason has one. Right, so we're gonna review it. So if you want to get some thoughts from someone who actually has one of these devices, you can go to relay.fm slash upgrade. There'll be an episode posted maybe by the time you're hearing this or shortly after. Um, so you can get that if you want to. But I think this was a worthwhile discussion because it's it's something that seems to have upset the apple cart a little bit in in kind of the community that we're involved in. Yeah, and I think that they're all points well made by you guys. So. Um, I think we should maybe put a full stop on it today and then hopefully next week we can have our review um, of the the iPhone X. So if you want to catch our show notes for this week, go to relay.fm slash connected slash 166. Thanks again to our fine sponsors, Away, Timing, and Encapsula. And uh, if you want to find Federico online, maxstories.net. He's at Vitici on Twitter. Steven is uh, 512pixels.net. He's at ISMH. And I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. And we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, guys. Arrivederci. Adios.